0: Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. or we'll come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. Okay, well, good morning to everybody. Hope you all had a great Christmas. And um, at Christmas time, Christmas Day, we're remembering the birth of our Lord and our Saviour Jesus. And um, today, I just want to move on from that, that um, why do Christians believe in Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour? So, Ernest Hemingway once wrote a story that was set in Spain in which a father and a son had a falling out with each other and uh, the boy ran away to Madrid and uh, so the father disowned him in disgust and said he didn't want anything more to do with him. Years later the father realised that he'd been too harsh and how much he missed his son so he wanted to put things right and to see his son again So he put an ad in the Madrid newspaper that said, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. But Paco is a common name in Spain and when the father turned up the hotel at noon on Tuesday, hoping that his son would be there, he had to force his way through a crowd of young men all waiting outside the hotel, all named Paco and all longing to be reconciled. With their Father. All of mankind has a need to be reconciled with God, our Heavenly Father. The problem is, those who have any basic understanding of Christianity, and I mean basic, uh, perhaps picked up through Sunday school or um, even school, um, believe that we are sinners and we can't possibly be acceptable to God. And, of course, that's wrong, unfortunately. Shame and guilt are two self-conscious emotions that we all face at some time or other in our lives. Guilt in a relationship is like a wedge, you know, like a wedge that's used to split open a block of wood. If it's not removed, it will force the two halves of the wood apart. And guilt in our lives and in a relationship is like a, this uh, a wedge, it splits the, the relationship apart. And when we get into the situation, we need relief, right? We need forgiveness. Forgiveness and being forgiven can have major impacts on our lives. If you Google forgiving, you'll find a huge list of benefits derived from forgiving others. This list includes Lower blood pressure, stronger immune system, improved mental health, healthier relationships, uh, better heart health. The, The list just goes on. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? But when I looked for advantages of being forgiven, I found that this was a subject that psychologists stayed away from. And while they could discuss shame and guilt at great length, their only solution seemed to be that with the right mindset you could get rid of shame and guilt slowly over time using patience and gentleness. And I guess for most people this seems impossible. And it's here that we as Christians have a head start because we have a God who has made a way for us to be forgiven for the sins that we've committed Before him, and he's washed away our shame and our guilt, and we can stand before him forgiven. We deserve to be punished by God for our sins, but the good news is we can bring a substitute to be punished in our place instead of us, and that substitute, of course, is Jesus. He's already taken our punishment and died in our place. So that when we put our faith in him, we are forgiven and can take and make a new start. God takes our old identity and makes it something new and beautiful. How can this happen? Sadly, most people see God as being separated from from us you know, remote, someone who's remote, far away in heaven, someone who's inaccessible to ordinary people. So, how can we connect with him? Quite simply, Jesus is the connecting link between ourselves and God. Much of the population of the world is separated from God. We probably know that. The problem is that these people don't know that they're separated from God. They think that the life that those they know is normal. And that's how it is. And it can't be changed. They don't know that the reality of God's presence, what it's like and how it can change you. They are fearfully looking at the world's problems and hoping that by their own efforts, they can produce some sort of a a utopian society. Recently, I was reading about dialectical materialism, which is the official philosophy of communism. And it says that everything is material And that change takes place through the struggle of opposites. The conflict of opposing forces leads to growth, change and development leading to a final uniformity. And this struggle will lead to a utopian society. And of course, we all know that doesn't happen. Nations and groups have been fighting against each other for thousands of years. But the perfect society... Has never appeared. Beset with the world's problems that we don't seem to know, uh, to, they don't seem to go away. Many people are asking themselves, well, what's the purpose of life? Well, we do have a purpose, and it's tied into God's purpose for our lives. When we become Christians, we become part of God's family and we begin to reflect the values of God's family. As a young man, I've told this story a few times before. As a young man, I remember two of my workmates having a conversation about raising children. And one of them said, No matter how hard you try, your children always turn out just like yourself. And I've always remembered that. And look, broadly speaking, I think that's true children usually take on some of the attitudes and mannerisms of their parents so it shouldn't really surprise us that once we're part of God's family we will begin to reflect some of God's wonderful nature. First John chapter 4 verse 8 tells us whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is the very essence of love and is totally unselfish. The first person who's mentioned in the Bible is named Adam and uh, he was made in the image of God and had the potential to be like God in character if he'd chosen to do so. But unfortunately, as we know, he made a bad choice. Instead of choosing to keep close to God and letting God's nature rub off onto him, Adam chose to what he thought would be a shortcut to being like God. He chose to listen to the devil and, at his urging, animate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 3 verses 1 to 7 tell us, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat of the tree of Sorry, of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden. But God did say, You must not eat them, eat from it. Get it right in a minute. You must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good From evil. When the woman saw that fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they screwed fig leaves together, sewed fig leaves together, and made coverings for themselves. Now, obviously, we'll make changes, sorry, make choices in our lives, and some of those choices will change the reality of life as we know it. The choice of that Adam and Eve made didn't just change the reality of life as they knew it, but it changed the reality of life and the pattern of life. For all the generations that have followed since then. Ever since that time, mankind has been separated from God and the purpose that he had planned for them. So they've become separated from God, but they've also become separated from the plan that God had for them. God's plan for us included being in a joyful family, relationship with him, and use our gift of free will to rule the earth. Our relationship with God is restored when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Being part of a family, of course, usually comes with privileges. For example, you get to borrow stuff from your parents or your siblings. When times are tough, your family will stand by you and help you out. The same situation applies in God's family. We can look out for each other in practical matters and that includes praying for each other and in particular for those who have needs because God hears our prayers. Being part of God's family comes with privileges. Firstly, we know that we're in a good relationship with God so there's no need to worry or fear. Remember remember when you were a child that perhaps there were times when you disobeyed your parents or you broke something that you weren't supposed to be touching. How did you feel? Usually fearful until the issue was resolved and you were forgiven. Many people who don't know God are fearful of him until they accept the forgiveness that he offers through, through faith in our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus. There's an interesting Greek word in, uh, that's used about hundred times or more than a hundred times in the New Testament. It's the word sozo. Uh, my English Greek dictionary defines it as meaning to save, preserve, to heal, make whole. So although sozo is used usually to mean salvation and forgiveness of sins, it also includes the idea of being heal, of healing for a physical disease and being delivered from your enemy. So when you become a Christian, your benefits package doesn't just include salvation, it also includes healing, both physical and emotional. It also includes deliverance from our enemy, the devil. These are some, some of the promises that are found in... In the Old Testament, let's look at Psalm 103 verses 3 and 4. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and who heals all your diseases, who redeems you, your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. So there in verse 2, it tells us, Forget not all his benefits. Being a follower of Jesus and part of God's family comes with benefits. Don't forget that. Let's also look at Isaiah 53 verse 5. It says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. our faith in Jesus Christ opens the doors to benefits that God offers to us. For me, um, personally, the standout benefit is peace of mind. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was nine years old, and I believed that he was with me in my life. Just before I turned 17, I came face to face with God's presence. And that, that became a reference point for me. As a as a teenager, because I knew that at that point in time that God was was real he existed and he was with me and if he was with me and looking after me then I had no need to worry about my future. I could have a peace of mind which I still have. the life death and resurrection made a major impact on life as we know it down the centuries Christ's followers have paved the way for positive change in the lives of individuals and nations generally we think about this in terms of um, well of salvation or people being healed or maybe you know prophetic utterances but also on a practical level a lot of the changes that we now have in the world and we take for granted would cause by Christians, brought about by Christians. During the industrial age in England, children worked six days a week and had no education. Sunday schools run by churches were their only way to learn to read and write and learn about God. So these days we kind of see the education system which is run by the government. But, and, and sort of Sunday school, which we have at church, is sort of just a little minor thing on the side But once upon a time, it was the main way of education for the common people. The welfare systems originally started with Christians looking after others, and now it's done by the government. The abolition of slavery in England was brought about by Christian politicians. The effect of Jesus down through the ages has been quite significant, and. Every now and again you sort of realise, well, this is what what Christians have done. And um, so often we've sort of just overlooked it and just taken it, oh, this is how life is. Well, that's not how it was until Jesus came along. In the spiritual realm, Jesus revealed to us the very nature of God and prepared his disciples for the coming of the Holy Spirit and when the holy spirit had come and filled the christians of the early church they began to do spectacular things just as jesus had done people were healed of physical and mental infirmities set free from demonic influences they began to prophesy and teach god's word as it was revealed in jesus this allows this follows jesus direction given in mark chapter 16 verses 17 and 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, what a, what a promise this is. Each of us is looking for a purpose in our lives. People follow leaders who will offer them a purpose. The purpose they offer may not be riches or an easy life. In his first attempt to free and then unite the various regions of Italy, Giuseppe Garibaldi promised his followers irregular meals. The sight of friends dead and dying but glory if you followed him and shame if you didn't. Men heard the speech and they followed him. Winston Churchill's famous We Shall Fight on the Beaches speech passionately asserted Britain's determination to fight on the sea, the oceans, the hills, streets and beaches to never surrender and his speech fired up the British Parliament. Martin Luther King Jr. had this famous I Have a Dream speech that inspired those working for a racial equality in the United States. I won't go through all the things that he said because it was quite a list. But Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, not by using fiery speech, but by demonstrating the love and the power of God to the people firsthand. Let's see how Jesus called his first disciples who were fishermen. Let's read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the lake of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish in there that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So, After seeing the power of God at work right there in front of them at a time of the day when it seemed completely illogical to be catching fish, they willingly left their fishing business and followed Jesus. They had a choice to make, one that was going to immediately change their lives and although they didn't know it then, in about three years' time, they would become people who were going to change the lives of thousands of people as they testified to the authenticity of Jesus, the Saviour sent by God. So Jesus wasn't having fiery speeches. He was just demonstrating, well, look, this is what God can do. And there was no denying it. They just had to pay attention and see what was going on. And, re- and they couldn't help but uh, respond to it. Jesus The Son of God is calling us to follow him today, just as he was when he walked on the earth. Let's read Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. And it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And at this the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Why did the man go away sad? He had wealth but it doesn't say that he gave it away. He went. I think he went away sad because he knew that he had made the wrong choice. He was more attached to his wealth than he was to the kingdom of God. And when it comes to following Jesus, we must make a choice. The rich man went away sad because he knew he'd made the wrong choice, the wrong decision. Don't make the same mistake that he did. Our choices change can change the reality of life as we know it and the lives of those in our family. Adam and Eve made a choice that changed the future reality of mankind. Jesus came to change the reality of life for those who are his followers and we are now back in a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. It's a great hope that we have, that God is with us. So if there's anybody here today that's not a Christian or watching online, then I encourage you to make the choice today to step into the life that God has prepared for you. God has prepared it, it's done, dusted, you just need to accept it. Then you can step into this new life that God has for you. You can step into his family and become and enjoy the privileges of being part of his family. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you that you have made a way for us to come into your presence. You've made a way of salvation for us, that Jesus came as a baby, he's grown up, and became the saviour of their world. So Lord, we just thank you that you've made a way for us, that you've loved us first, and that here we are now, in this place and Lord we just thank you Lord I just pray your blessing on each person here that Lord as we go that you're just going to go with us and that you're with us in every manner every day every moment of our lives so Lord I pray your blessing on each person now in Jesus mighty name amen Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. We'll come along to our Sunday service at 10 a.m.